Letter fifty four of Clarissa Harlow, volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlow, volume four, by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifty four. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire. And now that my beloved seems secure in my net, for my project upon the vixen Miss Howe and upon her mother in which the officious prancer Hickman is to come in for a dash. But why upon her mother, methinks thou askest, who, unknown to herself, has only acted by the impulse, through thy agent Joseph Lehman, upon the folly of old Tony the uncle? No matter for that. She believes she acts upon her own judgment, and deserves to be punished for pretending to judgment when she has none. Every living soul but myself, I can tell thee, shall be punished, that treats either cruelly or disrespectfully so adored a lady. What a plague! Is it not enough that she is teased and tormented in person by me? I have already broken the matter to our three confederates, as a supposed, not a resolved-on case, indeed. And yet they know that with me, in a piece of mischief, execution with its swiftest feet, is seldom three paces behind projection, which hardly ever limps neither. Mowbray is not against it. It is a scheme, he says, worthy of us, and we have not done anything for a good while that has made a noise. Belton, indeed, hesitates a little, because matters go wrong between him and his Thomasine, and the poor fellow has not the courage to have his sore place probed to the bottom. Turville has started a fresh game, and shrugs his shoulders, and should not choose to go abroad at present, if I please, for I apprehend that, from the nature of the project, there will be a kind of necessity to travel till all is blown over. To me, one country is as good as another, and I shall soon, I suppose, choose to quit this paltry island, except the mistress of my fate will consent to cohabit at home and so lay me under no necessity of surprising her into foreign parts. Travelling, thou knowest, gives the sexes charming opportunities of being familiar with one another. A very few days and nights must now decide all matters betwixt me and my fair inimitable. Dolman, who can act in these causes only as chamber counsel, will inform us by pen and ink, his right hand and right side, having not yet been struck, and the other side beginning to be sensible, of all that shall occur in our absence. As for thee, we had rather have thy company than not, for— Although thou art a wretched fellow at contrivance, yet art thou intrepid at execution. But as thy present engagements make thy attendance uncertain, I am not for making thy part necessary to our scheme, but for leaving thee to come after us when abroad. I know thou canst not long live without us. The project, in short, is this. Mrs. Howe has an elder sister in the Isle of Wight, who is lately a widow, and I am well informed that the mother and daughter have engaged, before the latter is married, to pay a visit to this lady who is rich, and intends miss for her heiress and in the interim will make her some valuable presents on her approaching nuptials, which, as Mrs. Howe, who loves money more than anything but herself, told one of my acquaintance would be worth fetching. Now, Jack, nothing more need be done than to hire a little trim vessel, which shall sail a pleasuring backward and forward to Portsmouth, Spithead, and the Isle of Wight, for a week or fortnight, before we enter upon our parts of the plot, and as Mrs. Howe will be for making the best bargain she can for her passage, the master of the vessel may have orders, as a perquisite allowed him by his owners, to take what she will give, and the master's name, be it what it will, shall be Ganmore on the occasion, for I know a rogue of that name, who is not obliged to be of any country, any more than me. Well, then, we will imagine them on board. I will be there in disguise. They know not any of ye for, supposing the scheme so inviting, that thou canst be one. Tis plaguy hard if we cannot find or make a storm. Perhaps they will be seasick." but whether they be or not, no doubt they will keep their cabin. Here will be Mrs. Howe, Miss Howe, Mr. Hickman, a maid, and a footman, I suppose, and thus we will order it. I know it will be hard weather, I know it will, 
and before there can be the least suspicion of the matter we shall be in sight of guernsey jersey dieppe cherbourg or anywhere on the french coast that it shall please us to agree with the winds to blow us and then securing the footmen and the women being separated one of us according to lots that may be cast shall overcome either by persuasion or force the maid-servant that will be no hard task and she is a likely wench i have seen her often one mrs howe nor can there be much difficulty there for she is full of health and life and has been long a widow another that says the princely lion must be i the saucy daughter who will be much too frightened to make great resistance violent spirits in that sex are seldom true spirits tis but where they can and after beating about the coast for three or four days for recreation's sake and to make sure work till we see our sullen birds begin to eat and sip we will set them all ashore where it will be most convenient sell the vessel to mrs townsend's agents with all my heart or to some other smugglers or give it to ganmore and pursue our travels and tarry abroad till all is hushed up now i know thou wilt make difficulties as it is thy way while it is mine to conquer them my other vassals made theirs and i condescended to obviate them as thus i will thine first stating them for thee according to what i know of thy phlegm what in the first place wilt thou ask shall be done with hickman who will be in full parade of dress and primness in order to show the old aunt what a devilish clever fellow of a nephew she is to have what i'll tell thee hickman in good manners will leave the women in their cabin and to show his courage with his breeding be upon deck well and suppose he is why then i hope it is easy for ganmore or anybody else myself suppose in my pea-jacket and great watch-coat if any other make scruple to do it while he stands in the way gaping and staring like a novice to stumble against him and push him overboard a rich thought is it not belford he is certainly plaguy officious in the lady's correspondence and i am informed plays double between mother and daughter in fear of both does not see him jack i do popping up and down his wig and hat floating by him and paddling pawing and dashing like a frighted mongrel i am afraid he never ventured to learn to swim but thou wilt not drown the poor fellow wilt thou no no that is not necessary to the project i hate to do mischief supererogatory the skiff shall be ready to save him while the vessel keeps its course he shall be set on shore with the loss of wig and hat only and of half his little wits at the place where he embarked or anywhere else well what shall we not be in danger of being hanged for three such enormous rapes although hickman should escape with only a bellyful of sea-water yes to be sure when caught but is there any likelihood of that besides have we not been in danger before now for worse facts and what is there in being only in danger if we actually were to appear in open day in england before matters are made up there will be greater likelihood that these women will not prosecute than they will for my own part i should wish they may would not a brave fellow choose to appear in court to such an arraignment confronting women who would do credit to his attempt the country is more merciful in these cases than in any others i should therefore like to put myself upon my country let me indulge in a few reflections upon what thou mayest think the worst that can happen i will suppose that thou art one of us and that all five are actually brought to trial on this occasion how bravely shall we enter a court i at the head of you dressed out each man as if to his wedding appearance you are sure of all the women old and young of your side what brave fellows what fine gentlemen there goes a charming handsome man meaning me to be sure who could find in their hearts to hang such a gentleman as that whispers one lady sitting perhaps on the right hand of the recorder i suppose the scene to be in london while another disbelieves that any woman could fairly swear against me all will crowd after me it will be each man's happiness if ye shall chance to be bashful to be neglected i shall be found to be the greatest criminal and my safety for which the general voice will be engaged will be yours but then comes the triumph of triumphs that will make the accused look up while the accusers are covered with confusion make room there stand by give back one receiving a rap another an elbow half a score push a piece enter the slow-moving hooded-faced down-looking plaintiffs and first the widow with a sorrowful countenance 
though half veiled, pitying her daughter more than herself. The people, the women especially, who on this occasion will be five six of the spectators, reproaching her. You'd have the conscience, would you, to have five such brave gentlemen as these hanged, for you know not what. Next comes the poor maid, who perhaps has been ravished twenty times before, and had not appeared now but for company's sake, mincing, simpering, weeping by turns, not knowing whether she should be sorry or glad. But every eye dwells upon Miss. See, see, the handsome gentleman bows to her. To the very ground, to be sure, I shall bow and kiss my hand. See her confusion. See, she turns from him. Ay, that's because it is an open court, cries an arch one, while others admire her. Ay, that's a girl worth venturing one's neck for. Then we shall be praised. Even the judges and the whole crowded bench will acquit us in their hearts, and every single man wish he had been me, the women all the time disclaiming prosecution, were the case to be their own. To be sure, Belford, the sufferers cannot put half so good a face upon the matter as we. Then what a noise will this matter make? Is it not enough, suppose us moving from the prison to the sessions-house, to make a noble heart thump it away most gloriously, when such an one finds himself attended to his trial, by a parade of guards and officers, of miens and aspects warlike and unwarlike, himself of their whole care and their business, weapons in their hands, some bright, some rusty, equally venerable for their antiquity and inoffensiveness, others of more authoritative demeanour, strutting before with fine painted staves, shoals of people following, with a— which is he whom the young lady appears against? Then let us look down, look up, look round, which way we will. We shall see all the doors, the shops, the windows, the sign-irons and balconies, garrets, gutters and chimney-tops included, all white-capped, black-hooded and periwigged, or crop-eared up by the immobile vulgus, while the floating street-swarmers, who have seen us pass by at one place, run with stretched-out necks and strained eyeballs, a roundabout way, and elbow and shoulder themselves into places by which we have not passed, in order to obtain another sight of us, every street continuing to pour out its swarms of late-comers to add to the gathering snowball who are content to take descriptions of our persons behaviour and countenances from those who had the good fortune to have been in time to see us within these few years past a passage has been made from the prison to the sessions house whereby malefactors are carried into court without going through the street lovelace's triumph on this supposed march shows the wisdom of this alteration let me tell thee jack i see not why to judge according to our principles and practices we should not be as much elated in our march were this to happen to us as others may be upon any other the most mob-attracting occasion suppose a lord mayor on his gaudy suppose a victorious general or ambassador on his public entry suppose as i began with the lowest the grandest parade that can be supposed a coronation for in all these do not the royal guard the heroic train bands the pendant clinging throngs of spectators with their waving heads rolling to and fro from house-tops to house-bottoms and street-ways as i have above described make the principal part of the rare show and let me ask thee if thou dost not think that either the mayor the ambassador or the general would not make very pitiful figures on their galas did not the trumpets and tabrets call together the canaille to gaze at them nor perhaps should we be the most guilty heroes neither for who knows how the magistrate may have obtained his gold chain while the general probably returns from cutting off throats and from murders sanctified by custom only caesar we are told had won at the age of fifty-six when he was assassinated fifty pitch battles had taken by assault above a thousand towns and slain near one million two hundred thousand men i suppose exclusive of those who fell on his own side in slaying them are not you and i jack innocent men and babes in swaddling clothes compared to caesar and to his predecessor in heroism alexander dubbed for murders and depredation magnus the principal difference that strikes me in the comparison between us and the mayor the ambassador the general on their gaudies is that the mob make a greater noise a louder huzzaing in the one case than the other which is called acclamation and ends frequently in higher taste 
by throwing dead animals at one another before they disperse in which they have as much joy as in the former part of the triumph while they will attend us with all the marks of an awful or silent at most only a whispering respect their mouths distended as if set open with gags and their voices generally lost in goggle-eyed admiration well but suppose after all we are convicted what have we to do but in time make over our estates that the sheriffs may not revel in our spoils there is no fear of being hanged for such a crime as this while we have money or friends and suppose even the worst that two or three were to die have you not a chance each man of us to escape the devil's in them if they'll hang five for ravishing three i know i shall get off for one were it but for family's sake and being a handsome fellow i shall have a dozen or two young maidens all dressed in white go to court to beg my life and what a pretty show they will make with their white hoods white gowns white petticoats white scarves white gloves kneeling for me with their white handkerchiefs at their eyes in two pretty rows as his majesty walks through them and nods my pardon for their sakes and if once pardoned all is over for jack in a crime of this nature there lies no appeal as in a murder so thou seest the worst that can happen should we not make the grand tour upon this occasion but stay and take our trials but it is most likely that they will not prosecute at all if not no risk on our side will be run only taking our pleasure abroad at the worst leaving friends tired of us in order after a time to return to the same friends endeared to us as we to them by absence this jack is my scheme at the first running i know it is capable of improvement for example i can land these ladies in france whip over before they can get a passage back or before hickman can have recovered his fright and so find means to entrap my beloved on board and then all will be right and i need not care if i were never to return to england memorandum to be considered of whether in order to complete my vengeance i cannot contrive to kidnap away either james harlowe or solmes or both a man jack would not go into exile for nothing End of letter fifty four